Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone, as recorded in God's holy word. I don't know about you, beloved, but um, this time that we have spent in the book of Jonah has bore fruit in my own personal life. And I hope that it is doing the same for you. I think it's very important that we have 66 books of the Bible and two-thirds of it is found in the Old Testament. And it's important, I think, that we as New Testament believers tend to think of the New Testament and Paul's letters laying out theological arguments, doctrines, or the Gospels and seeing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as although these are things are glorious scriptures for us, but we often tend to neglect the old. And it's significant that two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament, and it points us towards Christ. It points us to what Christ ultimately will fulfill. And so as we work through the book of Jonah, we have now come through chapter 3. And before we know it, we will actually be concluding the book of Jonah by the end of the month, I think. And uh, we will look at, be looking at the next book the Lord would allow us to have. But for today's purpose, this message I actually entitled Salvation Through the Message of Judgment. And you can see up there that we must preach the message of judgment. What I want you to do is to consider the, the disease called cancer. For those of us who have studied and done any research or known family or loved ones who have suffered from this disease, we know that it is a very painful long-suffering disease that claims lives. And if you had no idea about what cancer did and the effects it had on you, would your reaction to a cure be very hopeful or important to you? What if after knowing that this disease was going to take your life, would you be desperate if I had a cure to offer you know when considering the law found in scripture it only exposes our sin and when we know that we are in sin and that it is bringing about judgment and wrath from God it will provoke a response from us I want to propose to you this morning that we must preach about sin that has a hundred percent mortality Great, because it leads to death. The wage, wages of sin leads to death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is a judgment. The gospel is not good news unless we know that we are being, what we are being saved from. So let us preach salvation from judgment. 
In our text today, after Jonah has prayed his prayer of thanks for God's mercy and salvation, he's given a second chance. God called Jonah a second time, as we see in this text, to go to Nineveh. And now this time proclaiming the message of judgment, which brings about a response of repentance leading to salvation. Therefore, we must preach the message of judgment. Why? To be faithful to the gospel. I hope you will see that in verses 1 through 3, the first part of 3. And then the second part of verses 3 through 5, we must preach the message of judgment because it's for wicked people to repent and receive salvation. So let's look at this text this morning. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So Jonah has just been vomited out of the belly of the fish. After three days and three nights of spiritual death and rebirth, Jonah has received mercy for his rebellion. And the rotten stench of his sin remains on him as a reminder. A reminder of God's mercy on his life, of being saved as he hit rock bottom. Now, now Jonah is finally ready to heed God's command. And he comes to dry land where he hears the Lord's voice. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. This message, I tell you. What was this message? It was the message of doom and judgment. We know this because of verse 4. See that? Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is an unpopular message today. Everyone likes to hear about the love of God. We like to talk about Jesus and the relationship he can have, we can have with him, right? However, in contrast, no one wants to be the bearer of bad news. You see, beloved, the gospel has a bad news side to it. The word gospel means good news. So the thought of anything bad seems foreign to us in our finite minds. But we must be faithful to the whole gospel message. We must proclaim to sinners that if you do not turn your life over to God, you are doomed for all eternity. Why? Why, you ask? Well, friend, if we don't know how bad our cancer is, we'll never know how good the cure is. Eric Redmond writes, if we never tell the people we know that the bad, the, ba the bad side of the good news, they most likely will never have an opportunity to receive the mercy of God. There is no salvation with hearing the bad news. That's the predicament in which we find Jonah. Job does not like... I mean, Jonah does not like the job of preaching of the Ninevites because the other side of, of the bad news is the good news. 
If he tells these exceedingly wicked people the bad news, God might have mercy on them and grant forgiveness. That means they will not have to give an account in this life. For all the acts of wickedness they have committed toward Jonah's people, Jonah was guilty of having a hard heart towards sinners. First, he was upset with God for, calling, for the calling to deliver the message. Then he'd rather snore away the fate of the sailors in his rebellion as they found themselves in a storm that was about to claim their lives in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. I wonder if we're not much different than Jonah in our thoughts. Or we thought, well, they're just nasty people. I'm sure we have had others who were evil towards us. Maybe we, we didn't say they deserve to go to hell, right? But, or, or wish them ill. Maybe we didn't do that. But I wonder if we thought that God should show judgment instead of grace. Although Jonah doesn't want to give mercy to anyone else, he wants it for himself, which is where most of us are. We love having mercy for ourselves. In mercy through a fish, the Lord rescues the rebellious prophet and puts him on dry land, on the dry land of Nineveh. You see, Jonah is given a second chance. He can now say what God wants him to say. Jonah is finally ready to do what is right. He doesn't want his life turned upside down again. And just like Jonah We don't want our lives in turmoil. We are given the same message as him to deliver. You see, Christian, the gospel of grace is only grace when we know the depths of our sin. You and I are charged to go into the entire world to proclaim the good news about the death of Jesus for people's sin and about his resurrection from the dead to offer life. Every person who names the name of Christ has a calling from God to proclaim to all men that Christ alone, only Christ, has defeated death so that no one needs to fear death. Christ has shown that he has life after death and he has more power after that. Why did Jesus have to die? No one but God the Son could justly pay the penalty for our sins. He is the only one holy and fully righteous enough to satisfy God's wrath. But no one has, taken, has to take on that penalty himself. No one has to die on his own fate because God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to do that for us. If only we repent and join ourselves to him. That's what it means to be in Christ. We must tell people that. People must understand that God's will for his people to follow him 
We must tell people that we will stand before a holy and righteous God to be judged under his eternal wrath because we have broken his law. You and I would rather be the doctor who says, it's a boy. But we must preach the message that God has given us. Even if there are some ugly truths to that message. I mean, the thought about it, think about it. The thought of wood, stained, blood, nails, because the God-man was nailed to the cross on behalf of sinful people. That's not a pretty picture. I mean, we're talking about lynching here. We're talking about electric chairs, death. People don't like hearing that. But we must preach the message that God has given us. This is why Paul talks about the law in so many of his letters. He demonstrates how the law reveals our sin and need for salvation. If, if you want, you can turn to Romans chapter 7 and what I call the do-do-a-man chapter. It's the struggle of the believer in this life, all right? Why do I do what I don't want to do and why do I not do what I ought to do, right? The do-do, we, 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 we really struggle with this life and battle with sin. In Romans chapter 7, verses 4 through 6, hear what Paul says. He says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law, we're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Christian, this is for you. If you have turned your life over to Christ, if you have repented of your sin, the fruit of God's redeeming work is repentance and belief. And this truth is for you. You're no longer under the law. But those who remain outside, those who have not recognized the cross as a beautiful thing, those who are dead, spiritually dead in their trespasses, not alive in Christ, who have not repented of their sin and trusted, for tr trusted in Christ, only Christ. This is not true for them. We can't know grace apart from the law. I mean, there are some of you here that like that I don't know if you want to call it a show, but those, you know, there's uh, Cameron and Ray Comfort on the way of the master, right? That they use the law in their evangelism. I mean, if we were all honest, considering the law, just even the Ten Commandments, we would find that we're a bunch of lying, th adulterous thieves that have been a disobedient to God and to our parents. And if God was to judge us, correctly under that law 
apart from Christ, we would all be found guilty. But because of the stain of blood, a bloody cross for someone who loved us this much, we have known grace. Therefore, Jonah goes in obedience. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Jonah goes to preach this message of judgment. And it is through judgment how God chooses to bring about salvation. This message is for wicked people. Repentance and belief is the fruit of God's redeeming love. And this message of judgment that we must preach is for wicked people to repent and receive salvation. And this is our second point. The text tells us, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Jonah walks through this great city for three days with a message of doom. It's almost ironic. The people he didn't want to go to because of his own judgment, they are the same people he gets to proclaim God's judgment. You, think, you would think he would, be, would have been happy with the way he feels towards them to preach this message, right? I mean, we tend to want in our flesh to let's get even or let's say something that gives us justification in our own actions of sin. Yet he knows God's mercy, and that's the problem. That was his resistance to go. Again, we hear the number three here. I think it's a reminder of the gospel to be fulfilled in Christ. Three days and three nights in the belly of fish, a three-day journey. We're reminded by Jesus of the sign of Jonah. We, we heard this. We sang this. The sign of Jonah. Only in Christ, right? We just sang that song. And Jesus quotes or remembers back to Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, and he says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Of course, he was pointing about his resurrection, his death and resurrection. He was pointing to the fact that he was going to fulfill prophecy. He was going to fulfill scripture, and he was going to conquer sin and death once and for all. Jonah is given a new life transformed by the gospel. He, ha he has now a three-day journey to make for this message. One commentator writes, Nineveh was well known all over the ancient world and it had lots of people. In fact, the phrase that it was a three-day walk and that day indicates Nineveh was a city about seven and a half miles long. In an enormous city for ancient times, Jonah, as one prophet, facing scores of scores of wicked people. He has no assurance that they will accept or reject this message. Yet he is concerned because he knows that God will do something. 
the only missionary and evangelist that didn't want to see people get saved. Where is the irony in that? Yet God is sovereign. So Jonah walks into the city and only one day's journey saying only these words. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah's sermon in the Hebrew text was only five words. Essentially, he says, Nineveh, judgment is coming. He calls out that they are doomed. Destruction is coming in 40 days. I mean, think about that. I mean, if we heard something like that, like we have 40 days to live and I don't know, you guys maybe watch those movies about the great meteorites coming and crashing into the earth and everybody's going to be destroyed. If you have 40 days, you heard a message, you're, you're, you're doomed, you're done. God is going to wipe you off the face of the earth. I mean, how would you react? Somehow this message translated to the wicked people in Nineveh It's almost as if they heard, our destruction is coming at the hand of the Lord. I mean, that's not exactly what Jonah said, right? He just says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I mean, who's going to overthrow Nineveh? How's this going to happen? I mean, they heard just these simple words, the shortest sermon probably ever known on earth, and the greatest response And all it was was judgment. And the people of Nineveh heard and they believed. How is it that Jonah gets this kind of response? A short message of doomsday in the entire city responds. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. These are not eloquent words. Nor are they popular. I mean, a message like this in our day seems, seems that it would be mocked or laughed at. If we said something like this, we would be labeled as bigots and intolerable. However, this is the same message we are called to proclaim. I mean, how? Why? I mean, what is it? How can a response like this take place? Why is it that we're called to say the same thing? Apostle Paul tells us, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is what? The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Not ashamed of the gospel, unashamedly proclaiming the gospel of judgment and good news. Why is it that we are so often so fearful of rejection then? Why do we fear man knowing that God is the one doing the work? Do you find yourself passing by people asking for money or thinking they need Jesus, but I can't change them? 
You know, that process is, and thought process is so theologically correct, yet so practically misapplied. Of course we don't save, but God chooses to use us. God's greatest mission strategy. Get this. Hear this, beloved. God's greatest mission strategy is you. You and me. Weak, non-polished sinners saved by grace to share the message of judgment and the grace of God. Are we taking the opportunities given to us to share the hope that lies within us? Do you know your neighbors? Not eh, wave as they're coming in the house. Do you know your neighbors? I said this before. I imagine most of us are not living in neighborhoods where we're filled by nothing but Christians. In fact, I think it's probably just the opposite. Have you ever had your neighbor into your home before? Have you ever invited a coworker for a meal and shared about Jesus? Have you ever told a fellow student about Christ? Have you told, and this is the hardest one, your own family who don't know about Jesus or reject him? Did you have you ever told them that it's only Christ that will get you into heaven? And that's not just a ticket, but there is bad news. That judgment is coming. Flee from the wrath of God. You see, we don't need to present fancy arguments or be eloquent in speech, Christian. Jonah did not present all the arguments for the existence of God, nor did he make a case for the Lord as the one true God. He wasn't polished in professional attire. In fact, he just hopped out of the, the, the belly of a fish after spending three days and nights in the belly. He probably was stinky and not very appealing to the eyes of men. You see, the results here show that human efforts are not what changes hearts. You never know how God intends to use you for his glory and your joy. In your obedience to God and proclaiming the message of judgment, he can bring about salvation of others. That is merciful. Have you really considered the mercies of God in your life? Think back on your life before coming to know Christ. Who did God use in your life? You see that God has sovereignly orchestrated every aspect of your life to bring them to justification, to the cross, to become a child of God. And God is still sovereignly working every aspect of your life through sanctification, growing as a child of God. This means our gifts. This means our struggles, our sufferings. Everything is being worked together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose so that you would look more like Jesus Christ. I want to share with you a story of a 19-year-old boy 
who left his father's home, just like the prodigal son, went and thought he was going to take on the world and do better than his parents, went with his friends, and then basically partied himself to be homeless. In the streets of St. Louis, this 19-year-old boy was living with suitcases out of basements, out of people's apartments, learning how to scam food so he could eat, lived off a bag of potatoes for three days, never knew where he was going to sleep that night. And you see one of his friends that he was staying with the last place they were able to sleep, him and his friends, one of them had lost his job, and he was the one who was helping keep that apartment afloat. And his parents happened to be Christians. And all because of a son's plea, they took not only their own son in, but those two strangers off the streets. And they loved him with the gospel both in word and in deed. Something was different about them. That 19-year-old boy saw something. There was like this light that was about them. Even the brothers, there seemed to be a difference, a joy, something that he had never experienced in all his religion and all the things that he had been raised. And through sharing the gospel, through sharing things like judgment, for those who are not in Christ. He came to a point at a Christian gathering where he began to weep and say, Lord, I've tried it all and I've failed at everything. Help me. That was his prayer. Help me. In response to the message this text simply says the men of Nineveh believed in God. A great and wicked people should have laughed at Jonah saying, take your fish smelling babble back to Jerusalem. Instead, they believed his message. Even the people of great social status believed for the message received from the greatest of them to the least. If you are waiting for that perfect moment to tell an unbeliever, that he or she is condemned to hell before a holy and righteous God, apart from repentance and belief, that you cannot experience God's grace. If that is true of you, if you are waiting, as Donald Whitney says, many such opportunities for evangelism will never take place if you wait for them to occur spontaneously. The world, the flesh, and the devil will do their best to see to that. You are backed by an invincible power of the Holy Spirit who can make sure that these enemies of the gospel do not win. The thrill will be ours when we proclaim the gospel boldly and leave the results in the hands of the Almighty. So I ask the question, why don't you share this message of judgment for salvation today? You never know how God will use you. How God intends in the 
in his perfect timing and in his way in your finite, weak, feeble, unintelligent, well, some of you guys are way more intelligent than I, but in your, your weakness, essentially, how God has a plan. Maybe it is today that you share with somebody that God had already been working on somebody for 20 years, prepping their heart, and all they need to do is hear this message today. Will you be the voice piece of God? You see that story about the 19-year-old boy was just not, not just any story. That was my story. I was that 19-year-old boy who received the mercy of God because someone was faithful enough to share the mercy and grace of God and that judgment was coming on my life. You never know how God might use you today. It was God's mercy using his people to share the message of God's judgment, to flee from sin and run to the cross. I know how much it meant to that boy because I was that boy. So let us walk in love by sharing that message with all. We do not, whoever does not know the name of Jesus, let us proclaim this message of judgment and salvation. Christian, God's salvation is of the Lord. It is a gift of mercy and steadfast love towards you. Ask Christ to reveal to you the hidden idols of your heart, keeping you from following him and sharing this message of hope. How can one who has given so much not be thankful? Ask Christ to fill your hearts with thanksgiving and share this message today. Don't withhold it. And friends, the second chance that God offers is not just for Jonah and the Ninevites. The Lord seeks to save more people than one rebellious man. Christ seeks to save people drowning in sin by sending his son, Jesus. Anyone who trusts in the name of Jesus will receive mercy like Jonah and the Ninevites. And this morning, as we conclude our time, I want to read from you from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. May we have godly grief this morning. May we turn to Christ. And may we share the message of judgment that requires repentance for God's glory and our joy. 
praise the Lord that His Word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible Word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connection Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ.